God is for us. Did that line not strike you? That God is for us because of what he's accomplished for us on the cross. Amen? God shouldn't be for us, but he is in Jesus. Love that. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God beside you. And your name will be magnified forever. Father, we're asking. This is such a special moment when we gather together as your people and your You are flattening us with this thought that you are with us and that you are for us. God, when we think about ourselves, we think about our sin, we realize that shouldn't be the case, but it is because you're a great, merciful, steadfast, loving God. We give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, we ask that as we meet with you today, you would transform our hearts. God, if there's any hard idols that you would sweep those away, shine your light deep in the dark corners of our heart. We want to love you with our whole being. And we just give you praise. There's no God like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated and let's take our Bibles. We don't want to Uh, move away from this. We're going to continue to worship, but we're going to do it as we uh, open our Bibles together to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, one of our ushers would be glad to give you one. Uh, We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you, so go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're here at the end of the book. We're just a couple of weeks away from finishing this, we've been preaching our way through it. And I uh, just want you to notice something as you're going there at Ephesians chapter 6. Maybe you've noticed this before, but at least a fourth of the people in our church are kids. You know that? We got a lot of kids in this church. And I just got to say, we love our kids here at Harvest. And I think about uh, my family, and I think about when, when Carissa and I were Uh, sitting on a couch as newlyweds years ago, uh, dreaming about what it would be like to hear the little pitter-patter of feet running through our living room, and we'd dream about what our kids would look like, and we'd dream about these nice, quiet, loving, warm evenings together, and, uh, and the dream still had us like cuddling together on the couch, right, as, as our uh, joyful, uh, giggling children uh, would just be kind of flitting through the living room uh, with smiles and lots of laughter. Well, fast forward 10 years later, and we're still smiling. We're still laughing. There's still lots of love. There's, we, there's still lots of joy. We love it as at least three of my four children are just running right through the living room and tearing it apart, and there's laughing, and there's uh, crying and screaming and arguing and, and joking around, and we just love it, okay? I, just, I know I talk about Carissa and my kids a lot, probably too much, but I just want you to know, I love my family. We are living the dream, but the dream we have found uh, doesn't always match the snapshot picture that we thought parenting would be. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, This is kind of like uh, professional family photos. Um, You you know what I'm talking about. When when you decide you're going to go get some pictures taken, so you go online and and you see the online album of your photographer and you see all these examples of smiling, 
adorable families and you get this idea in your head and you've got like this great expectations for these family photos that you're going to get. And then in reality, the photographer shows up and you get this, right? That's more like it. Um, can I just say, and you got to know this, parenting is not for the faint of heart. I would say, thank you. It really, you, you get that. You understand. Uh, I was a much better parent before I actually became a parent, if you know what I mean. But parenting is not easy. But it is the real work of the church. Do you know that? Because we are making disciples. And so it's pretty cool that we get to set up shop in our homes. And what an awesome opportunity that we have to make disciples. And we only get them for a limited time. You know that, right? Because if you're looking at it, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, uh, it tells us, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. And I hate thinking about that, uh, but that just means that we only get this little window. We get a few years that, that God allows us to have these kids in our home. And I don't know about you, but I want to make the best use of this time and I want to teach my kids to know and to love Christ. Do you? I realize that like a lot of you in this room are like, oh my goodness, like why did I come today? Like I don't have kids. Why do I like, this is like pick the wrong Sunday to be here. Like I don't need, like time out, time out. Um, do you remember two weeks ago we had a baby dedication? You remember that? We had some parents up here and they were dedicating their kids to the Lord. You made a promise. Do you remember that? You said we will to helping our parents raise their kids to know and to love Christ. And you may not have kids right now, but you may have kids in the future. And I realize right now, you're like, man, I, I got this whole thing down. Like, I'm, I'm never letting my kids act like that. Like, I know what I'm going to be as a parent. Well, years from now, if and when God blesses you with children, you're going to be frantically looking for the notes that you took this morning uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, okay? I'm just telling you, 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 you need this. And uh, you can help our parents even now. And you can even see God's design for our homes. And so if you're there, Ephesians chapter 6, follow along with me as I read, uh, starting in verse 1. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not Provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we've been looking into the mirror of God's word in Ephesians, and we are seeing who we are in Christ. And uh, here at Harvest, we teach our kids, okay? We are going to teach our kids. That's what we do. And we're going to be very intentional about what and how we teach our kids, okay? So if you're taking notes, uh, let's, let's, let's just go at this. Uh, here's what we teach our kids. Here's what we teach our kids. I've got four things here. Here's the first thing we teach them. We teach them obedience. Got that? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That should be the first uh, verse that you're memorizing, right? Like that, that should be the first verse that everybody is memorizing in their homes. The, the word obey here is the Greek word hupakuo. And we've been learning that hupo means under and akuo means to hear. It's where we get our word acoustic. So, so literally what it's saying is listening and placing yourself under what you've heard in submission. 
It means kids are under authority. This is why, parents, how many times a day are you uh, asking and saying the word, listen, listen to me? And it's not because, here's the deal, we're we're not just going for like uh, sound waves traveling out of our mouths and reaching their eardrums and their cochlea and being converted into electrical uh, symbols that somehow are transmitted in the brain. Like that's, they hear you, okay? But we're wanting them to respond. We're wanting them to obey and listen to us. And I know that may be tempting for you, um, at some point, you probably like, thought about that, like, man, we just need to go get my kid's hearing checked. How many of you have ever thought that? Yeah, just be honest. Okay, we have. Um, they hear you, right? But are they listening? And I just want you to notice that Paul is actually speaking directly to the kids. Do you see that? He's basically saying, hey, kids, hey, kids, you have a role to play in the home. Do you know what it is? Obey. Are you teaching your kids' obedience. I also want you to notice that uh, it says, children, obey your parents. So this is not a Mother's Day message, and this is not a Father's Day message. In fact, I don't think it's a coincidence that God chose this passage for our church two weeks after Mother's Day, three weeks before Father's Day. This is for both. Uh, Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. So kids need to listen to both dad and mom. And you have to know this is a big deal. Do you know that? This is a really big deal that we would know this. In fact, um, God actually includes disobeying parents as part of his wrath on unrighteousness in in Romans chapter 1. So just in case you think that this is not really that big of a deal, uh, listen to this. God includes this in a list of really awful sins. Uh, He says, uh, Romans 1, there's envy, there's murder, there's strife, there's deceit, there's maliciousness, there's gossips, there's slanders, there's haters of God, there's insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I mean, like, this is a big deal. Come on, somebody say big deal. It's a big deal. Hey, parents, it needs to be abundantly clear in your home that when mom and dad tell their kids what they need to do, they obey. Period. Is that clear? Is that that clear enough? Like I, I, th- I feel like this really needs to be clear, okay? Because if you are iffy on this, and if it's not clear to you, then it's not going to be clear to your kids either. If obedience is not a clear and consistent expectation, I'm just telling you, your kids are going to sniff that out, and they are going to run all over you. And I know, it's like, but, but they don't want it. Like, God's not asking if they want to. At this point, there just needs to be clarity on this teaching. You're the kid. This is your role. You need to obey. So we're teaching them uh, obedience. Why? Why? Uh, because we're also teaching the second thing. We're teaching them theology. We're teaching them theology. Notice, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So uh, Paul is, again, he's directing this to children on how they can fulfill their role in the home. They can be filled with the Spirit. Uh, chapter 5, verse 18, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So kids are sitting there right in the church listening to this letter being read right along with it. So can we just get rid of this idea that, that kids are the future of the church? 
They are the church. If they have trusted in Jesus for salvation, then they are just as much a part of the church as you are. And this instruction to them then assumes that they are believers. But I I think it's also helpful for us as we teach our kids even before they trust Jesus for salvation, even before they come to faith. Why? Because you are the first picture of authority in their life. You model God to your kids. You're modeling God's authority. So think about that for just a minute. If you are teaching them now that submitting to God's authority is not that big of a deal because they really don't have to listen to you, then you're going to have a really hard time convincing them later on that they need to listen to God's word, which says that their sin problem and their need for a savior is a big deal. Teach them to obey in the Lord. Now, now time out. I know everybody's kind of feeling this because the gospel's not just about obeying, right? We get that. And I hope that you understand that. Like, we, we, we don't want you to walk away from harvest feeling like every, every Sunday we just come in here, we're telling you, do this, be better, try harder. That's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is not about behavior modification. God wants our hearts. He wants us to love him. Problem, problem. We can't change our hearts. We can't do anything about that. We cannot love God unless he does a work in our heart. God has to raise us from the dead, is what he said to us in Ephesians chapter 2. God's got to do that. That's the work of the Spirit applying Christ's work to our hearts. That's a problem. Second problem, uh, we can't change our kids' hearts either. Do you know that? We cannot guarantee that our kids are going to obey out of hearts that love God. As much as there are times I wish that we could make them, we can't make them love God. God's got to do that. So that's going to drive us to our knees. But you have to understand the gospel is first bad news that we are sinners. We could never earn his grace by our obedience. That's not the way it works. And so if any of you are kind of thinking out there as parents, you might be wondering, why do we need to tell our kids to obey them? Why, why do we just tell them to obey if it's not real in their hearts? Why do we, why do we teach them to obey? Isn't that just going to make them like Pharisees and, and try to earn God's favor? Why, why, why do we need to teach them that? Well, we're building a foundation, okay? You need to right now be teaching your kids that God is holy and that not submitting to him in obedience is sin. And then you're going to have opportunity time and again when they fail and also when you fail to teach them that they can't do it. That all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. But Jesus did. See, he's the child that obeyed. He is the son who obeyed perfectly. He didn't deserve death. We did because we are sinners. But he took our sin on himself. He died in our place so that we could get grace. If you're teaching your kids that God is holy and he must be obeyed, they're going to figure it out. They can't do it. And you're going to have opportunities to point them to their sin and direct them to the cross of Jesus. But for right now, 
teach our kids submission to God's authority. They need to know God is king. He's on the throne, okay? He's the king. Because you think about this, if your kids are kind of out of control, and, and really they're kind of in control of your house because you're capitulating to their tantrums and, and, and to their desires and to their moods, then guess what you're really teaching them? You're kind of teaching them that they're king. You're actually teaching them to believe that they're God, that everything kind of revolves around them. How do you think that's going to go? So we're teaching them obedience, but we're also teaching them theology. And then this, we're teaching them morality. We're teaching them morality. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I kind of think this is a reason for both uh, kids and the parents. Kids need to be taught the difference between right and wrong. Okay, everybody, we all have this sense that there is right and wrong. That's moral law. We all kind of have that sense that that exists, but kids need to be taught what is right and what is wrong. Why? Because we always, in our uh, natural state, we run and embrace what is wrong. And we were born in sin, okay? And so we easily embrace the things that are wrong. You think about the uh, toddler's rules. You ever heard, you ever heard the toddler's rules? Um, these are not, this is not like a poster that we have hanging in Harvest Kids. I don't think we have this hanging. Do we have this? I don't think we do. I think it's written on their hearts, okay? Uh, here's, here's the toddler's rules. Um, one, if I want it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. And if we are building something together, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it is mine. If I think it's mine, it's mine. If I gave it to you and changed my mind later, it's still mine. And once it's mine, it will never belong to anyone else no matter what. Now, I don't know about you, but I think my kids have that list memorized, right? It just comes so naturally to them. So parents, we have to be teaching them what is right. Are we opening up God's word? This is right. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The precepts of the Lord are right. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 2 Timothy 3.16, you know it. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correcting, for training. Are you as parents opening up God's word and showing them this is the way, this is the way to walk, this is right? And are you pointing them to Jesus, the one who did it right and the only one who can make us right with God? But I think Paul actually uh, throws this little phrase in here for us parents too. Because can we just be honest there? Sometimes we're like, they don't want to obey. And like, we just had one of those days. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I mean, we, like, they're running all over the place. It's crazy. You're tired and you've counted to three like five times and you're just like, do I really, do I really have to insist that they obey? Yes, because it's right. He's helpful for us. So we're teaching them obedience. We're teaching them theology. We're teaching them morality. And then we're also teaching them blessing. Uh, look at verse 2. You see it there? He says, honor your father and mother. Okay, so that is uh, not just action, but attitude as well. Okay, we're not just going for conformity to the rules. There are so many times in our household where it's like, yo, thank you for obeying. Great job. 
Let's go back and try that again, and let's work on the happy heart part. Can we, can we work on the attitude in that? God is not just interested in us conforming to the rules. He's wanting our hearts. He's wanting our attitudes. And Paul is quoting here from Exodus chapter 20. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And he kind of gives us this running commentary on the verse. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise, verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so this is a proverbial promise, meaning it's a, it's a general promise. Uh, practical truth for wise, godly living, but it, it can have exceptions. Meaning, this is not the secret to long life. That's not what he's trying to say to you. What he is trying to help us understand is, if you obey, you will experience the blessing of God. But the opposite is true as well. If you don't obey, if you will not honor your father and mother, you're going to put your life in danger. And parents, this is where it starts to get hard. Because sometimes we can, we can see it happening, can't we? Like I see it in some of my kids. Uh, one, one of my children, I, can, I could just see that she, that she has a propensity to pharisaical pride. She's a great kid. But I see in her heart there and I see the danger. I've, I've been down that road. One of my other kids, I, so if, at such an early age, we just noticed there was such an, uh, an attraction to the things of the world and materialism. And you can see where they're going and you just want so badly. When God says don't, he really means don't hurt yourself. So are we teaching them? Are we willing to help them understand that God's ways are best you're not teaching them that if they obey, they'll make God happy and they'll, uh, they'll earn salvation. But you are faithfully teaching them that the only way to experience God's blessing is God's way. Okay? So that's the what. Now let's look at the how. Let's look at how we teach our kids. Because uh, you know this, a lot more is caught than taught, right? Uh, they are always watching even when you wish they weren't at times. And it's not always encouraging when you start to realize that they're copying and mimicking the same things uh, that you are doing. I don't know if you've had any of these experiences. Uh, lately, we have uh, had them where we come up to uh, stop at a red light, and then all of a sudden from the back seat, uh, one of my kids yells out, it's green already, go! <laughs> don't know why. They didn't learn that from me. They must have learned that from mom, right? Like that, it just it like happens where you start realizing, like, I, I can't believe they picked up on that. That's not really what I was wanting them to, to see. Uh, but our society even recognizes this. There was an article in the Washington Post uh, by writer Amy Joy. She said, be a strong role model and mentor. And the reason is because children learn ethical values by watching the actions of adults they respect. We get that. The world gets this. But the crazy thing is the world doesn't have God's word. So, how do we teach our kids? Here's the first one, uh, by ordering our homes. By ordering our homes. That means we love Jesus first, and then we are loving and submissive in our marriage roles, like we looked at last week's text. And then 
uh, we love and we teach our kids. I, I, I just think the order and the instruction uh, in this section of Ephesians can't be ignored, okay? Uh, we want to be filled with the Spirit, chapter 5, verse 18. We all want to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands, verse 22. Husbands, love your wives, verse 25. And then, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So we must get our homes properly ordered. The health of our church depends on this. We got to order our homes correctly. But I also want to encourage you because uh, some of you may be wrestling with this and it's, it's kind of in your mind. Uh, it does not mean that kids can't be raised well in a single parent home. You know that? So, so if you find yourself in that scenario for, for whatever reason, Take great hope that God can still do a mighty work in your kids' lives and in your home. But we are acknowledging at least that this is not the regular pattern of Scripture, and we're pursuing God's design for our homes. And so here it is. Do you see it, verse 4? Look at verse 4. Don't look at me. Verse 4, it says, fathers. Now, that is a switch from verse 1. There he was saying that the children need to obey their parents. So uh, what it doesn't mean is that um, he, he's, he, like, he's just skipping over the moms altogether, uh, but, but he's really uh, helping us understand, I think, uh, the headship that Paul had detailed in the previous passage. What he's trying to say is, hey, dads, dads, listen, you can't pass this one off on your wife. Doesn't matter if she spends more time with the kids or she's more involved with them. Than that. You can't pass this off on them. You are responsible for the spiritual leadership in your home. If I could borrow an illustration from, from John Piper and just kind of make it personal, let's just imagine for a minute that, that Jesus was going to come and, and uh, he was going to pay a visit to the Hohenschel household uh, because he sees some things that need to be corrected. And let's just say that, that he shows up at the door and he knocks on the door and, and Carissa is actually the one who answers the door. I'm sure he would have a conversation with her. He'd be happy to talk with her. But at some point he's going to say, uh, uh, Carissa is the man of the house home because he and I need to have a talk. And dads, God might be having a talk with you right now. But you must understand, we have to get our homes properly ordered. And you are responsible to lead that. So we're ordering our homes and then this, not provoking. Not provoking. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now that doesn't mean that we can't tell our kids anything that will make them unhappy. And again, we cannot guarantee that no, kids aren't going to rebel. They're not going to run off. We can't guarantee that. But uh, we don't want them to be walking away in frustrated rebellion and anger because of how we are teaching them and how we are raising them. So we got to be careful here. We can't be inconsistent then with our words and our actions. We've said this before. You know this, that you're talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks, right? So if your walk doesn't match your talk, you're probably going to provoke your kids to anger. They're going to get so sick of hearing you talk because they're watching your walk and all they can see is hypocrisy. God help us. We all have a bit of a gap here. God help us. But we want to be careful not to be inconsistent there. We also want to be... Uh, we don't want to be inconsistent in our attitudes. 
this is where the temperature of your home is just going up and down all the time because your kids never know if mom and dad are going to be happy and excited and we're fired up and we're wrestling and we're ready to play and then the next minute we're angry and we're, we're yelling at him and we're flying off the handle or we're, we're like pulling off. We don't, we don't want to talk to him. We just want to be by ourselves. Like, like listen, like I know there are days where you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders but our kids shouldn't bear the brunt of our moods and then watch us turn it off as soon as we're out in public or we're on the phone. Easy way to provoke them to anger. When we're not willing to exercise self-control in the house or be kind to our family, but we will with everybody else. I gotta be careful here. And we can't be inconsistent in our discipline right? Letting them get away with anything or punishing them for everything or not following through with what you've said, using empty threats to manipulate them. How many times have you been on the uh, playground and you've heard that mom and she said it? I'm not going to say it again. I'm not going to say it again. I'm not going to say it again. I'm not. You've already said it like 15 times, like not listening anymore. And then you wonder why they get mad when you blow up all of a sudden because you haven't been following through with what you said you were going to do. Man, it's got to be frustrating to be a kid sometimes, doesn't it? God help us. We want to be careful here. Um, so let's talk about disciplining. That's the third. Let's talk about disciplining because it says, now do not provoke them to anger, but bring them up. That word, by the way, is the same word uh, as nourish in verse 29, uh, that husbands were to uh, love their wives as they love their bodies and, and nourish uh, their wives. So we're bringing these kids up in the discipline. See it? That word could also be training. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So you've got to show them. We've got we've to correct them when they wander away from the, the right way. They need us in their lives. I think about the sign that I see in the store. I see this sign like all over the place. You ever seen it where unoccupied children will be given espresso and a puppy? You know that? You know, you've seen that? Like, I love that. Like, here's the deal. God doesn't want our kids to be unoccupied children either. He wants us to be right there with them, training them, teaching them, correcting them, bringing them back to the way, which means we are going to have to discipline them. So let's just talk about the thing that's going through your head right now because I know that some of you uh, are wondering about spanking that come up. I realize that the, um, this is not the main point of the passage, but I don't think that we're doing justice to the word of God if we don't address this. And I realize that it's not very popular in our culture right now. I don't even know. If we were to like poll everybody and find if you thought it was biblical and if you're practicing it in a biblical way, I don't really know what we would find. But let's do it this way. Let's, let, me, let me give you the top five misconceptions about spanking. Can I do that? Let's just do this quickly. Top five misconceptions. Here's one. Spanking is wrong. Spanking, that's a misconception. Spanking is wrong. God would never approve of that. Well, actually, um, spanking is biblical. Look at this. You see it? Look at this. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline, what do you think that means? Uh, the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Okay, so the rod is spanking. I know we're getting all sorts of smiles and everybody's looking at their parents right now. Like, I get it. But, but here's the deal. What's crazy is, why do you do this? Because there's foolishness in your kid's heart. And did you, look at what that actually says. Spanking can help reach the heart. That's crazy. 
Uh, and then if you needed another one, Proverbs 29, 15. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings what? Brings shame to his mother. So if you don't do this, you will be ashamed of your kid. I realize that's kind of proverbial, uh, but, but the Bible's basically telling you, like, okay, you don't want to discipline them? Let them do their thing. Just leave them alone. Watch what happens. See, what, see what's going to happen. Now, now warning, um, we need to remember this, parents. Our identity as parents is found in Jesus Christ, not in having good kids. So, don't punish them and discipline them out of embarrassment or frustration for having made you look bad. Praise God for his grace on this one. But our identity is in Jesus, okay? But you also don't want to be that parent that's always having to spend so much time making excuses and trying to convince others that your kid really is a sweetheart because all they can see is that your child does not listen and will not submit because you're not disciplining them. Don't make the mistake also of believing that God would never bring pain into somebody's life. We might think that spanking's not, God would never do that. Well, that's not true. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I would love for you to look at this, but let me just give you verse six. Uh, It says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. God would do this, which actually leads us to our second uh, misconception about this, that spanking is unloving. Spanking is unloving. It doesn't feel loving, right? It doesn't feel like something that we should do. Well, actually, um, Proverbs 13, you see it? Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod. By the way, this is a lot more in the Bible about this than we thought, right? Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, uh, what does it say? If you spare the rod, what does that mean? What is it saying? It means you Hate your son. I know you're thinking, like, like, don't you dare say that I hate my kid. I, I don't hate my kid. And that just, it just feels unloving. Well, first off, can we just say, like, this is the word of God. Okay, we're going to trust it. And then second, I think we can all think of all sorts of examples uh, of people doing things in the name of love that are not actually in the best interest of their kids, right? And you can think of, I'll, I'll use a, a pretty, uh, uh, this is an easy illustration, grandparents. Let's, let's talk about grandparents. When they pump their grandkids full of sugar right before bed, and then they send them on home to mom and dad. Now listen, listen, I realize that's kind of innocent, but here's the deal. It's not in the best interest of the child, not really loving. So all I'm doing with that illustration is just say this. Um, Can we trust that God knows what's loving? Can we do that? Third misconception, spanking is abuse. Now there is abuse. Okay, absolutely. And there is no way that abuse would reflect the love of Christ. And so lashing out in anger just to hit your child or to cause them damage physically, hitting them in the face, smacking them around, excessively wailing on them, using an object that will cause damage, not like God, not like God. But that God-given rear padding 
can be used to effectively get their attention, especially when they're young and they're still forming their understanding of right and wrong and the consequences for their actions and their attitudes. It gives weight to your words. It gives seriousness to sin. It gives clarity to consequences. And then one of my favorite things about it is it's quick and it's over. And they're back to smiling and going to play again. We're not dragging this out and we're all going to be miserable all week long because, no, no, no. It's, hey, buddy, this is not right. This, let me show you the right way. And it's over. Spanking is not abuse. Here's the fourth uh, misconception. Spanking is unintelligent. This is kind of that idea that it's old school, right? That only unenlightened, unintelligent parents, you're just, you're just copying what your parents' generation did. It was ignorant and, and, and dominant, and, and we don't do that anymore. Well, um, just don't associate spanking with thoughtless anger, okay? Wise parents think through it and see its value in disciplining. But think about it. Spanking, you don't just spank without speaking, it's a tool to drive out foolishness, but you've got to steer them to the truth, steer them to the right way. So we're going to speak to them. You don't just spank them and let them go. We're, we're going to show them love. There's going to be tenderness. And I know we kind of joked about this when I was a kid that, that our parents would say things like, uh, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And you're like, yeah, right. Well, fine. I'll, I'll switch places with you if you want. But, but like, there is a tenderness there. I don't want to do this, but this is what God's word tells me I need to do. And, and I love you. And, and then there should be forgiveness and there should be an embrace. And, and we're doing this in love. I got to say, of course it's not going to work if it's not consistently applied in loving instruction. So don't just come at me like, well, I tried it once and it didn't work. Of course they're not going to like it. But if we're doing this in love and we're consistent in this, it could be something that God would use to reach our kids' hearts. Then this, spanking is for everything. <laughs> uh, it is a tool. It's not the only tool. Okay. Uh, Ted Tripp has said, uh, reminded us that uh, when the only tool you have in the toolbox is a hammer, everything you see is a nail. But that's not where we're going for here, okay? Uh, we spank for foolish defiance. And that strong will is going to pop up early and often, and you need to make it really clear what the expectation is. Again, we're trying to teach them God's holiness so we'll have these opportunities to be teaching them about the grace of Jesus Christ. But it is an age-appropriate disciplinary action best for little kids because the older and the bigger they grow, more reasoning is necessary. And sometimes even when they're little, you're able to recognize a, a consequence that will be more effective. For example, in our house, for a little while, uh, there was a season where the, the, the most painful punishment that we could inflict on our daughter was not letting her wear a dress. I mean, she would just melt if she didn't get to wear her Disney princess dress. And we found it a really effective way of bringing a consequence into her life. But I'm just telling you, let's just not ignore spanking, okay? Now, if you're like getting super fired up and excited about spanking, then let me just caution you. But if you're just like dismissing it offhand, like not interested, I'm not doing that, then can I also caution you? Let's trust God's word on this one, okay? And let's be careful and intentional in how we discipline. How do we teach our kids this last instructing them? Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Let me just ask this question. When? When are you doing this? 
When are you opening up the pages of your Bible with your kids? When are you doing this? Is it at night? You got devos at night before they go to bed? We had that for a little while, and I remember when my kids were really little, we had one of those like Jesus storybook Bibles. It was a kid's version, you know. And then I started realizing they're getting a little bit older. My daughter's reading chapter books. I think she, she reads more than I do. But, but I started realizing, like, we need to get them in the Word of God. So, so are you doing it then? Are, are you doing it breakfast at the breakfast table? That would be psycho in my house. I'm not doing that. But uh, what, about, what about at dinner time? Well, can I just tell you one of the things we found, and I was encouraged by a friend who was helping me think through these things, and he, he, he just suggested when you break bread as a family, why don't you break the living bread, and, and, and let's just talk about that together. Are you doing this at the dinner table? Is it a family night? When? When are you opening the pages of Scripture and teaching your kids? I am so thankful for our Harvest Kids ministry. Are you? Praise God for our Harvest Kids ministry. We are passionate about teaching the kids in our church to know and to love Christ. But don't just pass this off on the church. God's telling you, this is your role. Are you teaching your kids? Are you pointing them to Jesus? Do they know that Jesus is better than anything that this world has to offer? God, help us here. Help us to see this. And you know what's crazy? God can get a hold of our kids at a really early age. And Jesus is the model for all of us. He's the one that we look to. Luke 2, at the end of Luke 2, verse 52, he said, Jesus, even as a kid, increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. May he do that work in us and may he do it in our kids. Amen. Now, as the band is coming, I just want to encourage you because I, I realize um, this is not exhaustive and there's some this is hard, okay? And so can I just give you some resources? Parents, if you're like, I am swimming for the top, I could use some more help on this. Uh, then l- let me point you to this. This is uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Go on Amazon, buy this, get this down. If you need some more help on this, we want to help you. This is really important. We need to get our homes properly in order because the health of our church depends on it. And this is our mission field. This is an opportunity for us to make disciples. So if you need help on that, I'd encourage you to get that book. Here's a second one. That's an updated copy. This is Parenting with Scripture. Okay, uh, my wife has earmarked all sorts of this. It's, it's, it's kind of organized by topic here. So we've got uh, arguing and complaining and fighting and fairness and friendship and godliness and uh, like this, this just for scripture to, so that you can open up your Bibles, you'll know where to go. So if you need some help, we would love for you to do that. But I have one more thing I would like you to do. At the bo- bottom of your bulletin, there are two questions. And you know this, uh, what's the big idea of the passage? And I hope that you've got some clarity on that. But I really want you to take a minute and just answer this second one. How is God moving me to respond this week? We want to respond to God's word. And I know that some of you are you're like listening to all of this and you're like, I don't have kids right now. I, don't, I can't like apply this right now. Well, wrong. Um, don't think that you're going to be able to just flip a switch if God does put kids into your life. What are you doing now that you will be able to be disciplined you will be able to be in the Word, be able to teach them. How is God moving you right now? And I know some of you parents are sitting here thinking like, man, I've got so many things that God needs to do in my heart, in my home. Uh, praise God for His work. He can do it. As the band starts to play, we're going to sing this, that Jesus is better. But would you just take a minute right now and write it down? 
What is God doing? How is he moving in your heart to respond to these things?